Man. So what a great introduction to this idea of Sabbath. Happy Labor's Day, Labor Day. Are, is the sound working? We got it? We're good? Okay. All right. Hey, great to have you here this morning. Um, I, I, I don't know about you. Uh, how, many, how many of you, like, really love cars? You love cars. You, like, you keep up on them. You know, like, what the new models are. Maybe you like classic cars. You can identify, you know, the old muscle cars, that kind of stuff. I, I, I love cars. I, I uh, used to be kind of a motorhead. I don't, I don't do that stuff anymore, but I still, I still keep up with them. I still follow them. I still identify them. I know I drive my wife crazy as we're going down the road, and I'll, you know, oh, there's a Tesla, or, or oh, there's, you know, classic, there's a 66 Ford Mustang. And um, I also enjoy the banter, the, you know, the rivalry between makes and, and models, you know, the Ford versus Chevy. Um, I don't know, Dodge is kind of out of the equation. Do they even make cars anymore? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, or if you like, you know, the imports, you know, maybe it's uh, Mercedes versus BMW or Honda versus Toyota, whatever the rivalry is. I, I, I just, I enjoy cars, and, and I, I imagine some of you do as well. But, but maybe this will relate to the other half of the crowd. I also hate cars. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have this love-hate relationship with cars. I, there was a point in time when there was four vehicles in our household, one, one for each daughter, one for my wife, one for I. And um, we, uh, you know, it, it felt like you just were constantly at the mechanics, you know, trading vehicles. You know, bring one car in, okay, take that one back, here's another one. And, and we just spend so much time, like, maintaining and, and fixing our cars. And so there's kind of this love-hate relationship. I'll, I'll steal a phrase from another context. You know, cars are kind of like this. We, you know, we can't live with them, but we can't live without them, right? Cars, they're, 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 they're fun, they're, but they're also challenging. You know, something interesting about a car is that they come with an owner's manual, no, this is a this is a 2013 Elantra. It's nothing, you know, nothing special really here. But there's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of information here that is specific to this car. You, you would think, oh, they're all four wheels and the combustion engine or whatever. But but each car has some unique features, and and so there's an owner's manual. Well, this morning as we talk about this idea of Sabbath, we're going to look at this owner's manual. You see, the, the manufacturer gives us this book. The creator gave us this book. And so we're going to talk about how, how should we operate? How should we function in a world that God created? So if you would join me this morning, we're going to start in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. And uh, go ahead and, and jump there in your, your copy of God's Word, or, or if you have an app, go ahead and tap a couple things there and, and get with us in Genesis chapter 2. If you're using one of these uh, chair Bibles, um, if you do not own a Bible, feel free to take one of these. This is our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. And uh, welcome to those watching online. Uh, welcome to our friends out at Bainbridge. Uh, I believe Nathan is actually preaching live in Cincinnati, so we won't welcome them. All right, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Um, we're going to start at verse 15. It says this, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. 
Or some other translations put it this way, to work and keep it. Now, I want to point out the fact that this is Genesis chapter 2. This is before Genesis chapter 3, duh. But it's before the fall of man. Like, a lot of times we have this misconception that work became part, as part of the curse, that, that man sinned, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and therefore God gave them work. But that's, that's not the case. God created us for work even before the fall of man. Now, the part of the curse in Genesis chapter 3, if you go and look at that, is that all of a sudden that work became more difficult. Right? Working the land, now there, was, now there was weeds and there was all thorns and thistles. There was all these challenges that made work more difficult. But God established this idea of work before the fall of man, before sin entered the equation. God, God created us for work. Now, I know some of you are going, hold it, I thought this was a, a message on Sabbath. You know, you're giving me a lecture, I'm supposed to be working hard? Well, okay, stay with me for a minute. Go back to the beginning of Genesis chapter 2, and in verses 1 through 4, it says this. It says, So the creation of the heaven and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished the work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. God rested. Now, do we think that God got tired? Like, was it really hard work for him to just speak and things, you know, came into a being? I, I, I don't see that anywhere. I, I, in fact, I think that insults the, the, the understanding that we have of an omnipotent, all-powerful God. So why did God rest on the seventh day? Well, I think as we look at this, we'll see that God rested because he wanted to give us an example of how he created us and how we best function. You see, God not only created us for work, but God created us for rest. And just like the owner manual for a car, he's helping us to understand how he created us, the, the fact that there's a rhythm to the work and rest balance, that, that he created us to do both, he, and, and he modeled it for both of us. Now, in case there's any question about this Sabbath principle or rest principle, listen to, to Exodus chapter 20. You don't have to turn there, but in Exodus chapter 20, we have the, the giving of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8, it says this, "'Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy.'" You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. 
Now, just as a, a total aside, this really is one of the best biblical affirmations that the creation count in Genesis chapter 1 is six literal days. God, God doesn't say, oh, I created the heavens and the earth over six epic ages. He doesn't say, you know, I, you know, the story that you have in Genesis is a myth, but based on that mythology, I'm going to tell you this. Right? He's saying, no, it, I literally created everything in six days, and so on the seventh day I rested, and I did that for the purpose of demonstrating to you that that's how you are supposed to function. That's my owner's manual for you to, to tell you how to operate. Now, to be clear, we don't believe that, that Saturday is the Sabbath. In fact, we don't believe that Sunday is the Sabbath. And if you have any questions about that, uh, we're going to post on Facebook, and, and we've already put it in the bulletin, the uh, links uh, to a couple of messages. I spoke on this quite a few years ago. Uh, Justin spoke on this a few years ago. And so if you have questions about that concept that, that you know, that we don't observe a Sabbath day like, the, like was given to the Jews back in that day, that will help you understand. And in fact, I really uh, appreciated Justin's comments last week about what is a deep message? Because it, if, if we were just standing up here and giving you a bunch of content um, and, and you know, go home well-educated, like I'm not sure that that's really accomplishing a whole lot. But yet some people would define that as a deep message. What we want to do is be able to give you a, a biblical truth, a principle that you can go home and work on, that you can go home and, and apply to your life. And, and frankly, it's things that, that we wrestle with as we prepare to, to apply it to our lives as well. And so uh, if you want that, that, that content and that information, we're making it available to you. But we're, n we're not going to spend a lot of time about that this morning. Just focus on this idea, this concept, the fact that, that God created us to enjoy both work and rest. We're, just, we're designed that way. And listen, as science catches up to the Bible, which, which, which it's awesome to see, you know, archaeology and other things, biology, they, 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 they discover new things. Wow, this is amazing. Like, no, the, the Bible kind of already told us that. So as science catches up with the Bible, one of the things that science talks about now is, is that we have biorhythms, that, that there's a flow, there's a design of, of how our body functions. Guess what? God's already created that, that idea for us in his word. He's already told us that there's this rhythm between work and rest. But here's the thing. I want to show you that God was really really serious about this when he gave it to the Jews. Now, this is part of the, the Old Testament law. It's part of what he designed for the, their theocracy. Uh, it's part of what he designed for them to operate as a nation. But God was serious about this. In fact, what he did is he created another thing related to the Sabbath that, that we would call the land Sabbath. And so if you want to go and look at this, it would be in Leviticus uh, chapters 25 and 26 in the in the Levitical law it talks about the fact that every that they were supposed to work the land for six years but on the seventh year they were supposed to let the the land rest so not just a 
work six days and take a rest on the seventh personally, but also have that same concept over years with the land. Now, here's the thing, though. The nation of Israel spent about 800 years in the promised land. But as we piece together the history of the nation of Israel, we see that there was about 490 years that Israel didn't practice this principle. So listen to what God says to them afterwards. He says this, To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah prophesied this. But in Second Chronicles, as it records the history of it, it says that until the land has enjoyed its Sabbath, all the days of its desolation, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. So in other words, God exiled the nation of Israel. He sent them away as captives to other pagan nations because for 490 years, they didn't follow this land Sabbath principle. So do the math in your head. If they were supposed to do a Sabbath year every seventh year, and they missed 490 years, how many years is that that the land was due rest that it didn't get? 70 years, right? And so 70 years... God sent them in captivity because he was serious. He meant it. He wanted them to follow this Sabbath principle. Okay, now, here's the thing. We're not the nation of Israel. And I think the New Testament, especially the book of Romans, is very clear that we are no longer under the obligation of Mosaic law. So does that mean that we can just, like, ignore all of it, like not apply any of the principles of it to ourselves? I, I don't think that's true. I think as we look through the New Testament, it talks about that, that the Old Testament law was a, a rule of order, it was a rule book for their nation, but the Scripture tells us that it was there, the law was there to demonstrate for us our sinfulness, to demonstrate for us that we can't measure up to God's perfection, and yet there are principles there that carry over and are, are taken from the Old Testament and are confirmed in the New Testament. So one of the ways that we can confirm that this Sabbath principle, this idea of taking rest, all you got to do is look at the life of Jesus. Now, we could spend a lot of time this morning going through a number of different passages, but I would encourage you again, in your own study, look as you go through the Gospels, look at what Jesus, how he observes rest. I mean, one of the stories we know very, very clearly in the New Testament in the Gospel is, is that Jesus was asleep on the boat during the storm, right? You remember that one? But there's, there's uh, multiple examples where you see Jesus, even though he's God-man, he took time for physical rest. He took time to separate himself from the disciples for prayer. He observed this principle. But yet when it came to the rules of the Sabbath, especially the rule, uh, specifically the rules that the, that the Pharisees had created and added on top of the Mosaic Law, Jesus was very, very strong in his rebuke of the Pharisees. Don't be adding things to God's law. And that's exactly what they were doing. But as we go through this message for the, 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 this sermon series over the next few weeks, 
what we're going to do is make this connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Really, the best place to point you for that is the book of Hebrews. And so if you would, join me in Hebrews chapter 1. If you're using a, a, a chair Bible, it's page 964. And we're going to take a look at the introduction of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It's, it says this, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. But when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down. He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. As you look at the, the book of Hebrews, this really introdu introduces to us this idea that Jesus is better. And as you go through the book of Hebrews, it talks about Jesus is better than the, the law. Jesus is better than the sacrifice system. Jesus is better than the priests. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better. But we see an interesting illustration here. Because what did Jesus do after he finished the work of the cross? After he paid for our sins, he, he, his death, burial, and resurrection, what did Jesus do? He sat down. He sat down. Now, you can make the argument that he sat down in authority, the seat of authority, and that, that's, there is some truth to that. But I think prophetically we see that Jesus rules from the right hand of God, that that, that seat next to God, the right hand seat next to God is, is a place of authority. But the, the, there's still there's a very powerful image there. Jesus finished the work of redemption and he sat down. Jesus just had completed the greatest work of all history. He did the one thing that no one else could do. And then he sat down. So I think here's the Here's the challenge for us. Let, let me ask you this. Are there times that God has said to you, sit down? Are there times that, that God has said to you, you are not in control, I am? Are there times that, that God is saying, listen, you are not going to save the world, I am? 
Are, are there times that, that God has just had to smack you in the face and say, you are not God. I am. Sit down. Take some rest. You see, as we talk about this Sabbath principle over the next few weeks, I want you to remember this principle. God's design for us, his manufacturer's handbook for us, he tells us, rest, because you are not God, and neither am I. You know, there's a, an often misquoted concept that goes like this. God helps those who help themselves. In fact, some people will quote that as if it's a direct quote from the Bible. The problem is, it's not in there. That quote isn't in there. In fact, that principle isn't in there. God says, work hard. I've designed you for work. But also, you need to take rest. Now, here's, here's the challenge. We, we don't have one of these. Right? You recognize that? The check engine light? You know, there's the onboard diagnostics in your car. And and you can, in fact, you can even get your own little personal scanner that can plug in your car and tell you, tell you what that check engine light means. Now, here's the, here's the thing. With, with the check engine light, sometimes it's something really simple and silly. Like, for instance, if your gas cap is not tight, that might trip your check engine light. I know that sounds crazy, but that, that's true on some cars. Some cars, if, if your gas cap is not tight, that check engine light will come on. But sometimes it, it's far more serious than that. But be honest, if you're like me, sometimes when that check engine light comes on, what do you do? <laughs> you just keep driving, right? You just keep driving. You, you're kind of like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm going to be taking it to the mechanic in a couple weeks for an oil change. Like, I'll have them take a look at it then, right? Well, listen, if that, if that check engine light goes from a solid light to start flashing, on most, that, on most cars, that means it's time to pull over and shut the engine off. It means it's really serious. Like, I'm not joking. There's really something wrong with your car. So here's the thing. You and I, we, we don't have one of these, right? Or, or do we? Have you ever caught yourself, like, snapping out in anger to people that you love very much? Have you ever, have you ever found yourself with just an incredible migraine headache or, or you come down sick with, with no explanation. You, you, you don't know where it came from. No one else is sick, but yet but you, you're, you get down. You're knocked out for the day. Maybe, maybe your body is telling you something. That God designed you for hard work, 
but you've got to mix in a balance of healthy rest. You see, God wired us that way. God created us that way, that, that we are to have hard work, but also healthy rest. Don't wait for, for God to have divine intervention like he did with the nation of Israel and force them into exile because they weren't following this principle. Like, don't wait for that. Your body's telling you it's time to rest. And if, and if you ignore that check engine light, maybe it starts flashing. Like, maybe, maybe you'll have an experience like I did a year ago where, where you're, you're, God clearly says, sit down. You can't do six things here and five things there and four things here and three things there. Sit down. See, God wants us to work hard. But he's also created us for rest. So this morning, I want to give you three things, and I would encourage you to jot these down. Or if you're using the 2021 method of taking notes, take a picture of the screen. But I want to give you three things, just very practical tips of how you can incorporate this idea of, of, of a rhythm of rest. The first one is this, that create a rhythm in your schedule that allows you to work hard, but also to have a period of rest. You, you've got to be proactive about this. You've got to make a plan. You can't just, don't wait for that check engine light to come on. Don't, don't, work at breakneck speed for 19 days and then be shocked on the 20th day when you get knocked on your on your butt like be proactive about it plan your work but plan your rest the second thing is this establish some personal guidelines to protect your time of rest aka turn off your technology like you can have the best plan in the world to set aside a day or a half day or whatever it is that you're, you're setting aside as your time of rest. But life happens, right? And life happens for other people. But the fact is that you've got to protect yourself. You've got to protect that time. And so other people's emergencies aren't necessarily yours. You've got to protect that time of rest. Now, you notice that I talked about setting aside a day or, or a, a half day, a chunk of time. Here's one of the traps that I think we can fall into, and I, I've, I've definitely fallen into this in the past. Oh, I'll take an hour a day, right? I'll spread this out. I'll, you know, I'll, I make sure that you know, I have this hour alone once a day, okay? That's going to delay the check engine light, but I don't see that principle anywhere in Scripture that that's the idea of a Sabbath rest. A Sabbath rest is, is a time where you're set alone, you're able to focus on God, you're able to shut out the world, you're not laboring, you're not working hard, you're just taking a time of rest. So protect that time. And the third one is this. Be accountable to somebody that knows your check engine light. Like the reality is sometimes we don't, we don't even know our own, like our own limitations. Like we don't listen to our own bodies. But yet somebody that knows us well can look at us and go, you're a little stressed out today. Have you had a time of rest? And you, 
like any type of accountability, that takes some transparency, right? It takes some honesty to be able to say to people, yeah, I mean, I, I've been working really hard. You're right. Like, I, I apologize that I'm not at my best. But having that accountability, letting other people point out to you, hey, maybe you need a little time of rest. You know, there's a, there's a well-known scene in the Star Wars movies. I know you're shocked that I'm giving a Star Wars reference here. But there's a, there's a well-known scene in, in Star Wars where Obi-Wan uses his, his Jedi mind trick on a guy, and he plants this phrase in his mind. He says, I want to go home and rethink my life. Listen, there is nothing like lying in the ICU to force you to rethink your life. I mean, you can't do anything but think and pray. Listen, don't wait for that flashing check engine light. You see, my encouragement to you is this. Understand the Sabbath principle. See, God created us for work, but he also created us for rest. Operate according to the manufacturer's manual, the the creator's guide, so that you can be the the most effective servant of God, that you can be the most effective wife or husband or, or parent or worker. Follow the design. And make sure that you take rest because you are not God. We need that healthy balance of hard work but also also healthy rest. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you are a Jesus follower, this morning my my challenge to you, just take the next couple of minutes and reflect on this and, and, and examine how, how you manage your time and manage your schedule and, and, and really question, like, what are your priorities? What are the things that you spend a lot of time on? And are you making sure that you're getting a good balance of rest? And as you're reflecting on that, if you are not a Jesus follower this morning, I want to take this opportunity to make this connection for you. You see, as we, as we go to the book of Hebrews, we, we see this principle that Jesus is better. And the fact is that Jesus is our ultimate true rest. You can work really hard. You can do a lot of good deeds, but your work is not going to get you into heaven. Scripture is very clear that because of our sin, we are separated from God. And there is nothing that we can do in our own power, in our own good works, to earn heaven, to earn salvation, to reestablish our relationship with God. Jesus has already done all the work for you. You just simply have to rest in him. And so if you have not made that decision to follow Jesus, to to set aside all your, your efforts of trying to please God and to do it in him and rest in what Jesus has done for you, 
I would encourage you this morning, come forward and talk to any one of us on the stage. If you're, if you're watching online, I would encourage you to, to reach out to us through a connection card or, or send us an email. Give us a phone call tomorrow morning. We want to be able to talk to you and, and be able to show you from God's word what it really means to be a Jesus follower. You can make that decision right now where you're at, wherever you're seated, wherever you're watching from. You can make that decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ and rest in the work that he has done on your behalf. He shed his blood. He paid the price. He defeated sin, and he conquered death for you. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, God, we come before you this morning. We, we, we want to worship you and honor you. God, we want to thank you that you, you have given us in your word the design for healthy living, a balanced life. God, we want to work hard. We want to accomplish things. We want to do things for your honor and your glory. But, but God, help us to also make sure that we're getting the rest that you've designed us for. God, help me help each one of us to, to apply this principle so that we can be healthy and effective, effective servants of you. God, I pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.